This is PhotoBizX, episode number 504, and today we are in for a real treat with our interview guest, Heather Wanninger. She's based in the US. She has a multi-six-figure photography business, but she had the toughest start. She went through a big marriage breakdown. She has three kids, was dragged through the court system by her narcissistic husband who had an affair. And even she admits back then there was no way the idea of a successful photography business was ever anywhere on the radar. That interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here, photographer, interviewer, and host of the Photo Biz X podcast, where I help you build a better photography business even faster by interviewing incredible guests from around the world and today's guest is no different although the intro did sound like a bit of a soap opera lead-in there is a ton of backstory with today's guest Heather Wanninger I know you're going to love what she has to share particularly if you've encountered any kind of hardship in the lead-up to starting your photography business or if you are in a position where you think wow is this really ever going to be possible for me so stick around for that it's coming up in just a minute before we get into that interview If you didn't catch last week's episode with repeat guest John Glazer, make sure you get back and have a listen to that one. John, as usual, gives away everything, including the kitchen sink in his interview. We go deep into how he converts his leads into fantastic and paying clients who spend on average over $2,000. And these leads all come, or mostly (laughs) 90-something percent, come from Facebook ads and Instagram ads where John is offering free sessions, complimentary sessions with wanted-based ads, model call ads if you prefer. And like I said, he shares an absolute ton on exactly how he's doing that. And if that doesn't inspire you to listen, wait till you hear how he handles the fact that 90-something percent of his leads are coming through Facebook. And at the time of the interview recording, Facebook had shut down his ad account. This is from a photographer who's spending thousands every week who relies so much on Facebook, yet they shut down his account. (laughs) Like I said, just wait till you hear the way he handles that when we talk about it in last week's episode. So that's John Glazer. Get back and have a listen to that one and the previous interviews that I've recorded with him, which I've linked to in the show notes. And of course, he also presented the Facebook lead ads training where he, again, shares everything about his lead generation strategy that's enabled him to open a second studio. His first one's in Texas, a second studio in New York City, and where he's on track to do over a million dollars again this year. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Now on the topic of courses and training, I did say in last week's episode that there is some upcoming training with Jeff Brown, the photography business coach and mentor. I did say that was going to be this week. We've moved that back to next week. It's a two-part training session for you if you want to improve your website, if you want to build a brand new website, if you want to modify your website and make it a website that actually converts visitors into paying clients, which is what we all want. Because whether or not you're running Facebook ads, Google ads, running third-party marketing campaigns, 
Generally, we want to send everyone back to our website. And if that website doesn't convert those visitors into paying clients, what's the use of having a website? What's the use of paying for traffic to go to that website? It just doesn't make sense. So Jeff has just released a brand new book on the topic. He really is the expert when it comes to websites that convert, particularly following the algorithm changes made by Google in 2022. So he's going to be covering all that, exactly what you need to do to have your website converting. There is a ton to this training. Like I said, it's two parts. It's going to be next Tuesday and Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Saving Time. You can find out more details on the registration page, which is at photobizx.com forward slash website course. If you register before the live training happens, the cost is $147. The price will double after the live training is presented. But if you do register and you can't make the live training, you will still have access to that special price, the recording, the standalone course on the PhotoBizX website after the live training is delivered. You'll have a chance to hit Jeff up with any questions. And there is also a big bonus, which I'll be adding to that registration page today or tomorrow. Some more details about that are coming, but there is a big bonus if you do register before the live training in addition to saving 50%. Now it is a two-part course and I did try and pick a time that will be suitable no matter where you are in the world, but there are links on the registration page on your local times. And like I said, if you can't make the live training, I will have recordings available to you pretty quickly afterwards and you will have the chance to ask Jeff any specific questions that you might have for him regarding your own website and how you implement what he will be teaching. So again, more details are at photobizx.com forward slash website course. And I look forward to seeing you in the training next week. You're listening to Photo Biz Exposed with your host, Andrew Helmich. Okay, and one final word, well, I think it's going to be the final word on the Brendan Taylor interview that I released recently. There was a lot of kerfuffle surrounding that interview he definitely has a lot of haters in the uk amongst newborn photographers and i did share some of those details in last week's episode and also in my email that i sent out if you're on my email list last week but i have to say the replies to that email are mostly in support of brendan and what he shared in that interview how he treats his coaching clients in fact this one from lauren potter who's a newborn photographer based in Australia, she messaged me to say, just read your Brendan post and listen to the podcast. I have to laugh at it all as I've been working with him for the last two years and it's transformed my business. He's the most kind and compassionate person and is a no bullshitter. He tells what it is when he sees it. People don't like that and that's probably the issue. So I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it for you to make up your own mind. I know you might have a different view if you are based in the UK but the general consensus from the majority of people I've been speaking to is they love what he shared, they love what he teaches, and they love his approach to business. So again, get back and have a listen to that one with Brendan Taylor from Baby Art Studios if you haven't heard that one a couple of weeks ago. Photo Biz Exposed. Interviews with photographers to help you build a better photography business. 
We are going to jump into this interview with Heather in just a second. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you won't hear the full interview today with Heather. I'm saving just a small portion of the second half, yes, a small portion for premium members only. And for me, it's an absolute piece of gold when it comes to marketing to seniors. So if you don't want to miss that part, if you'd like to hear the full interview with Heather and every other interview guest, you can do that for as little as $1 with a 30-day trial membership. So you can see what we can hear, what you're missing out on each week. There are more details about that trial over at photobizx.com forward slash try. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. When I first heard about today's guests, I was a little trepidatious when she told me about her life being flipped upside down when her narcissistic husband had an affair, left her, then dragged her through the court system for 10 years. I asked a few more questions to then learn she now has a multi-six-figure photography business where she focuses on seniors and corporate clients, and that is headshots and branding photography. And interestingly, she lays a lot of her background out on her about page on her website, which I'm guessing attracts clients instead of what I thought may push them away, including things like becoming a single mum with three young boys, being lost, confused and depressed with no idea about what to do next. So I am looking forward to diving in and learning more about this talented photographer and what sounds like a super motivated business operator. I'm talking about Heather Wanninger of Sweet Lemonade Photography, and I am wrapped to have her with me now. Heather, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate you having me, Andrew. Did I totally butcher your surname then? No, no. Wanninger? Yeah, that totally works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> How do you say it? Wanniger. Wanniger. So instead of a wa, it's wan, but it is A-OK. That's so much. I was actually called Mrs. Warmberger when I was teaching preschool. They actually didn't call me Mrs. They called me Mr. So I was Mr. Warmberger. So you got so much closer than that. So I call it a big win. All right. We're off to a good start then. That's good. <laughs> Absolutely. Tell me about the about page that I referenced in the intro. I mean, from what I've heard and from what I've learned from other coaches, you know, we should share a little bit about ourselves, but... You can also share too much. What do you find with what you share on your about page? You know, with mine, you know, I don't tell my whole story, obviously, but I just talk about, you know, my world got flipped, turned upside down. I was a stay at home mom and then became a single mom of three young boys trying to figure out what was next and just being honest about my feelings, the way I was going through it. It was really hard the first few years, just trying to manage all that. And I think what's great about it is I've really, I've like, as you mentioned, I've attracted the people that feel like, wow, she's real. She gets me, you know, depression, confusion, loss. At some point in life, most of us have experienced those things. If you haven't, you just wait. <laughs> you know, I mean, these things, it's just part of human nature. We have the good with the bad. And I think by opening up and just saying that, it's really, I mean, I've had people that specifically have looked in, you know, got my website, looked at it. And then they said that that is why they booked me. And they told me, they're like, we looked at other people. We saw that. We knew we wanted to hire you. And so it really has been a benefit and a positive in my business and my experience of just being a little more open and vulnerable with it and, and not sharing on the negative, right? I mean, there are facts in my life that occurred that were not positive, but I don't dwell on that. I mean, really, it's lemonade. You know, life is a whole, whole big, tall glass of lemonade and I make it that way. You know, it's by the choices of, you know, in our actions every day. And so it's worked really well. That's the, I mean, I'm guessing, well, you tell me, are you attracting women that have gone through the same thing, you know, more so than 
I don't say regular women that haven't. Sure. From the coaching side, you tend to have a lot of people, not even necessarily people that women that have dealt with narcissism specifically, but just imposter syndrome or feeling self-doubt or feeling unloved or unworthy from someone at some point. And that could have stemmed from childhood or it could have stemmed from, you know, their current relationship that they're in or just side passing, you know, believing what's on social media or, you know, bullying of some sort. They've had this ingrained thing down in them. They're not good enough that they can't do what they want to do. You know, the dreams that they have, it's not worth chasing. And that's what I love is because I was that way. I didn't believe I was capable of running a business. I didn't think I was smart enough to do anything. I didn't think I was good enough to take pictures that would people would actually pay me for. Enter good enough to anything, right? I mean, there's run the gamut. They've gone through my head. And so to have a circle around me that believed in me before I believed in myself, to have me keep taking one step at a time and now to see where I'm at now, I'm like, dang, this is so sweet, right? Sweet lemonade. This is so sweet. And now I love to be able to help other photographers find that same thing. You know, they might be full-time photographers that are, you know, overworked because they just aren't charging enough. And so to be able to be that person that I think, I think deep down they do believe and they want to charge more, but they're scared. And to have that extra person walking with them side by side saying, Hey, you've got this. Look at where I was. Look where I am now. You know, I went from a $20,000 year to $100,000 a year in one year and then grew from there. So it's like, it's nice when they can see like, that was me not that long ago. Let me help you get there too. And then as far as the photography side of things, it's, I have a lot of high school senior girls, boys I photograph as well. But I think just in general, because I have a senior boy who graduated last year. He's my second that's graduated high school now. And based on their enthusiasm and excitement for photos, it's natural to understand that there's probably not as many boys as I'm photographing as girls. But the girls that come in, I'm like, whether they share it or not, there has that self-doubt, right? We've all experienced it. And so to be able to show them pictures, take pictures and then turn back the camera, I'm like, girl, look at this. This is you. Like, I just took this. And they're like, I didn't think I'd look like that. I thought that was like magic in the Photoshop. I'm like, girl, I don't Photoshop anything. You know, I brighten the colors and add contrast. I'm like, I'm not smoothing or anything. I'm like, this is you. And here's the proof. It's in the camera, right? And so to see their excitement and see their shoulders, have them stand a little taller, see their shoulders roll back or see them lighten up and just enjoy the process of taking pictures because they've seen that and they're, you're seeing instantly, they're believing it. They're believing a little bit more that they're beautiful, that they deserve, using that in air quotations, right? To be in front of the camera, to have this experience, to feel worthy. All of that just comes from my lemons in life. And it is just poured into my business, whether it's empowering those in front of the camera or behind it, they all deserve to feel that way. And it's really, really cool to be a part of that. For sure. For sure. I totally understand that. I'm going to take you back again because I want to dive a little bit deeper into the about page. Yeah. So, I mean, surely you could have said something like, you know, on that about page, you know, do you suffer from self-doubt? I know what that feels like. Do you question your worth? I went through that. But you actually lay out like the personal stuff. I know you don't go into full detail, but, you know, it's pretty clear you went through a marriage breakup. You're a single mom. Like you had some tough times. You could have kept some of that to yourself. Like, did you strategize about what to share, what not to share? You know, over the years, I've certainly thought about how to share. 
you know, just because of the relationship and narcissists in general, you know, their, their kind of personalities and what they might do or how they might respond to things. And, and so early on, it very much was, I'm like, I'm not sharing any of that because what if, you know, and it's not from a client perspective, but it was the concern of what could this happen? I've spent 10 years in court. Is there something else, you know? And so I'm very careful about how I share just because, you know, there are facts and I'm not going to dive even deeper into the stuff, right? The actual relationship and the in um, the innuendos of it all of it, right? That's just, that's the personal stuff. But I think as I've gone through the last few years and one, coming to complete forgiveness of the whole situation and just being, that is what it is. It's a part of my story and forgiving and letting go of all of it has brought me to a place where I feel comfortable to share the facts. And they're just facts. It's just a small piece of the story and to share all the lemonade. Like, yeah, here's a few pieces of what happened in my life. And people have experienced death. They've experienced, you know, divorce. They've experienced loss of child, lots of traumatic things that just happened to be the traumatic part in my life, the most traumatic. And I've even lost my dad when I was young, when I was in high school, this divorce was more traumatic to me. So it's just the trauma that initiated so many great, sweet things. And so I've just become a little bit more comfortable with, I want to share in a way that honors my kids that, you know, doesn't dive deep into the stuff, honors them, but in a way that can empower anyone that might be listening, like I've been in their boat, you know, we've been there, get a paddle and we'll row together. Right. And just keep to the other side. And so, and I think I've always just been more of a storyteller as opposed to, oh, have you struggled with self-doubt? Yep, I have. Have you struggled with this? I have, you know, and my story literally is just that. It's a way to be able to story tell just kind of the feelings and emotions that I've went through to get to the other side. Yeah, I can imagine your clients that you have would really connect with that side of you because like you said, we've all gone through some of that stuff. Um, one thought did occur to me and not until now, it certainly wasn't before we started recording or in the lead up to this, and I never got the impression that you dislike men, but does that ever come up like with clients? Like, does a woman ever call you and say, listen, we want to get family photos or, you know, I want you to photograph my son, but um, how do you feel about men after going through your divorce? Like, do you actually like men? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I actually, cause I photographed weddings for several years and that was one thing that I had several people ask. They're like, oh gosh, do you even like photograph weddings now? Like, I, you know, it probably certainly changed it. I'm like, and it didn't. You know, I still love men. I still love love. And, you know, I will welcome that love when it comes into my world again. But it didn't affect the way I showed up in the business. I love to be able to, to photograph it, to capture those moments for those that are in love. And it's still very precious. You know, it, just because it didn't work out for me, round one, it's not any less worth celebrating. Love that. I love that. Now, you've talked about narcissism and, and dealing with a narcissist. I've heard the term thrown around. Funnily enough, when I was on my last holiday in France, one of the guys there, he was in a weird relationship with one of the other girls on the trip, and he came back saying that she's a narcissist. And that was, I was like, really? And he said that she actually suffers from a, a narcissistic syndrome. What is a narcissist? Uh, well, and you know, I feel like in the last few years that the word narcissist has definitely gotten thrown around a whole lot more. Like if someone just didn't do something that they liked or said one mean thing. Well, he's a narcissist or she's a narcissist. I'm like, well, goes a lot deeper than that. But, you know, the way it made me feel with narcissist and is just feeling unloved, unworthy, didn't matter how much I did, wasn't good enough. 
felt like I wasn't worthy of being trusted. There was all these things. So um, narcissists tend to have the emotional abuse side of things, you know, and there's layers of that as far as, you know, how much emotional abuse and things like that. But it really just boiled down to my self-confidence. My mom had actually said once, several years after we were in the process of the divorce, she said, Heather, she said, it's so nice to see your sparkle and your bubble come back. I'm like, really? You know, and outwardly, I always felt even throughout, you know, childhood and adult life, you know, even married, that I had that, but it definitely must have been more of a, a forced ex, you know, outwardly bubble. And mom's like, no, she's like, I can tell. And and it then a little further down, I'm like, yep, I can feel that my outsides and my insides are matching up again. You know, that I am truly enjoying life, embracing everything around me, where at some point, you know, it just kind of numbed myself a little bit. You know, just I'm like, oh, I'm not not good enough to do anything. I'll just do what I'm expected to do. And and that's it. You know, not chase dreams, not dream big or do anything. And so to be on the other side of that now is super exciting. Nice. So what's an example of narcissistic behavior? So your ex-husband was the narcissist. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you were suffering because of his condition. Yeah. Well, I mean, one example is we just spent 10 years in court. And in my opinion, most of that was needless. And so it's, it's, it's a controlling behavior, you know, wanting to be able to make sure that they're, you know, controlling and on uh, trying to think of an example that would be more, more broad or maybe not quite as specific, but being in court. I mean, that's a great example. You know, I'd ask him like, this is silly. What, what do we need to do? You know, let's just, let's just come to an agreement and, and coming to agreements just are not easy to do. Um, everything is typically on their terms, their suggestions, what they want. And then we just kind of follow along or go along with it. And if not, then depending on what it is, it may or may not be a very nice ride. <laughs> wow. What a traumatic 10 years it must have been. It was a very long 10 years. It's a lot of emotional time. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of finances, you know, and so that's where I'm like, I'm just, we're, we're ready to move on, ready to just live our lives. Yeah, for sure. So did you already have the photography business during that relationship or did it start from scratch afterwards? It started from scratch after. Yep. So I was a stay at home mom and I honestly never thought I'd have any other title. I absolutely loved being a stay at home mom and did that for about 11 no, not nine years. I think my oldest was nine. Time's getting away from me. And so I had three young kids. And then, you know, one of my friends who was actually my very first client, she paid me $50 to take pictures. And I couldn't believe anybody even paid me to take pictures. So I was like, wow, you know, I have my camera, I'm shooting an auto and I go out and the shadows are awful. The locations were horrible. It's an auto, right? Bad. But she saw the talent that I had before I saw it. And she's like, yes, you need to do this. So shortly after I had done her pictures, then all of this started falling apart in my life. And so we, she's like, you need to do this. And I'm like, with some prompting, I'm like, okay. I wrote an email and I remember sending it to like 50 of my friends, you know, because what, 11, 12 years ago, that that's what I did. I drafted an email and said, hey, I'm starting Heather Waniger Photography. And I'm going to charge $50 a session. And I remember hitting the send button. I could not, here might be too TMI, but I could not get to the bathroom fast enough because all feeling rushed right through me. Had to tell, I couldn't believe I just was asking people 
Hey, I'm asking for money. I'm asking for, you know, for validity that this is something I could do and that I'm worthy of accepting money from you. It was one of the scariest things I had done. And I've done gone through some scary things, you know, purposely scary, you know, like bungee jumping, things like that. Not bungee jumping, but like um, zip, zip roping, yeah. like things that are scary like that or scary things that like I didn't want to have a choice that I didn't have a choice in in life. That was one of the scariest things to say, hey, please, I'm putting my hand out to accept money from you so I can do a job for you. Frightening. Terrifying. <laughs> I'm going to take you back to that in just a second, but just so the listener's got a better idea of where you are now, can you give us some figures for what's your revenue now from photography? Yeah. So last year with photography, it was $200,000 and that was for high school seniors. I was doing weddings for several years and 2018 kind of phased out of those. So the revenue is primarily from high school seniors and family sessions and some corporate. And then my average per session is around $4,000 per session. So I'm working less and making more. And so, yes, I'm glad you pointed that out because it's like, yes, I was frightened of $50. And now I've created a business that is easy to run. A lot of it is workflow and automated. And, and it's a fun process for my clients. And those clients happily pay $4,000. I think my highest high school senior session for a one-hour session was $7,700 last year. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The Heather of 2010 would have called you a liar if you said that in this day and age, 2011, yeah, that 10, 11 years later, that that's what she'd be doing. I'd be like, yeah, no, she can't do that. You know, because I was believing what others told me, right? And now I'm believing otherwise. Well, yeah, I think what you told yourself, that's what you were believing. Oh, oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I heard it. I internalized it and I kept it and owned it as the truth. Yeah. Wow. Again, I'm going to come back to the shooting in just a second. Can you give us an idea of where you're based and who your clients are? Like, are you in an affluent area? Have people got a lot of money? Is there a big population that you're drawing from? So I am in Champaign, right outside of Champaign, Illinois. So it's a university town in um, central part of Illinois in the United States. And my town is just west of that. And there's about 10,000 people that are in our, our town. Our town in general does have typically more income, expendable income, but that's not always the case. And those aren't always my clients. I mean, you know, they, a lot of times, like the ones that are closest to you tend not to be your clients. They kind of go a little bit further out. And so, you know, I have several friends that I photograph their families or their kids. The majority of the people, well, I wouldn't say majority. I'd say at least half are people that I had never met, that they're coming out on Google or that they are, you know, word of mouth. So friend of a friend, that's actually how my business has grown primarily is through word of mouth. So I didn't know them, but a friend introduced us. Um, so that's typically how my business has grown. They are not the doctors and the lawyers of the world or the people that you're thinking, oh, they're the the millionaires that are coming to spend this. The people that I attract are people that love their family. People that want to cherish those memories, they're nurses, they're firefighters, they're teachers. My $50 per session, the one that was a client turned friend that is like my biggest super fan, she's a teacher and her husband drives for UPS. You know, they're the average Joes, really, yet they value capturing those memories of the people that they love. So good. So are your clients generally coming from the university town adjacent to where you are, or are they coming from your town or are they from further afield? 
a good portion of them are coming right from my small town in Muhammad. And then there are, we have several high schools that are in Champaign in the university town. So there's two, three high schools that are public. Then there's a couple private. Um, so there's that I photographed at one point, you know, people from all of those high schools, but a lot of it is just from our local small town. Wow. That's so good. Okay. So take me back to, you sent that email out to, did you say 100 or 200 friends on, you had obviously a big email list of friends? No, it was less than 50. Oh, 50. Okay. And you're going to yeah. have $50 portrait sessions. What sort of response did you get from your friends? I, I was so scared. I didn't want to look at my email, to be honest. I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, because the fear of rejection was so real. I'm like, oh, they're going to tell me that I'm not worth it, you know, because I already know I'm not worth it, all these things. And so when I finally did, the first few responses were just like, oh, cool. So excited for you. And then others like, yes, I want to get, let's book a session. Oh, I want to do this. I'm like, okay, well, here we go. I said, we're doing this. And now we had people that were paying. And so, yeah, I went from $50 to a hundred to 200. Then I went to $400 all inclusive, giving all the digitals. And that's where I was full plate, lots of sessions. It was just too much for me to do. That's one thing that over the years, I've definitely learned and leaned into like what my limit is. My limit will look different as someone else's limit. You know, my workflow looks different as someone else's. And, and I just knew I'm like, I don't want to do any more than two sessions a week. And at $400 a session, I was doing more than that. And it was too much. And I was, things were getting falling through the cracks and it was just wasn't being as great of an experience as it was. I'm like, I knew things had to change. And so that's when I went to in-person sales and switched gears and offered digitals and they could buy product. And that was another one of those times I'm like, I, oh my goodness, I, I, I agonized for way too long trying to figure out how to make my pricing. It was overwhelming. What do I do? How do I do it? And this is where I just think for, you know, for me with my faith, I'm like, this was God just kind of giving me that reminder, like, you've got this and he's got me because that first ordering appointment after I switched I had my, in my head, oh, no one's going to do this. No one's going to pay for this. Oh my goodness. I can't believe it. And then I'm, and then I'm pepping myself up before I go to the ordering point. I'm like, yeah, you don't bring that energy in. Right. Cause that's only going to ensure that. So I'm like, all right, this is good. I am worthy. I can do this. I created beautiful images for them. I can't wait that, to put these on their walls doing all this. And we come in. And they bought all the digitals for $1,200. Then they bought wall art. They bought something else. It was a $2,000 sale. Wow. I went from a 400 all-inclusive. The very next one, when I switched, it was over 2000. And that was, I'm like, I have no doubt. I'm like, that was God being like, hey, you're going on the right path. Keep following. You've got this. That's so good. Just to take me back to that, that first sale, how did you structure your price list? Like, why would someone want to buy the digitals for 1200 and buy wall art on top? I honestly don't even know. <laughs> like I was sitting there. I'm like, Oh wow. I can't believe it. I don't know why anyone would buy anything else. <laughs> but one of the things that, you know, I did is, and I think I tell them that they can print up to eight by 10 with the digitals. And what I explained to them, and now here's the deal. I actually, so if my photographer, the people that I've actually photographed, they're getting in a little secret. If they'd ever hear this, I actually size them so they could blow them up to 30 by 40 on their walls if they wanted. Because once we give the digitals, you know, we've lost that control. And so if they're going to print something big, I don't want it to be a fuzzy piece of crap. And be like, yes, Heather Sweet Lemonade Photography took this. Isn't this amazing? They might think it's amazing. And then the person that's coming in, they're like, check her off the list. We're not going to her. <laughs> so I want to make sure they look great. But what I do tell them is... 
you know, I include the print release for eight by 10. And the reason I do that is because anything larger, we're going to edit a little bit differently. I want to go through and really with a fine tooth comb, make sure that everything looks great. If there's any minor tweaks with coloring, I want to adjust that for you. If there's something in one example, we really did, it was, we were at a graffiti wall and the person that I took the picture in front of what her, her dad was a cop. And there was not so nice things written in the graffiti on the cup. So we graffitied special stuff over it. So before you throw a 30 by 40 on your wall, you know, we could say we love cops as opposed to what it was saying. Right. (laughs) So we'll take care of those things. And I tell them, like, if there's a blemish, a small minor blemish based on, you know, how far the image is, if it's more of a full body three quarter, I'm not going to go ahead and take care of that on those that are printing eight by 10. It's not going to be noticeable. When you blow it up, it will. We'll zoom in with a fine tooth comb. We'll do those things. And they're like, oh, yes. I mean, it really truly does make sense, but they appreciate hearing like, okay, there's another step above and beyond. And then we just talk about the quality as well, you know, as opposed to don't go to Walgreens, which we have in the United States or Snapfish or, you know, something like that. They can work for, you know, something small. But if you're going to do something like that, that you really want to display, you want great quality work great colors, great imagery. We'll do that through the professional labs. And so those are things that I have said, but even while saying that, I still didn't believe they actually did it. (laughs) That first (laughs) session, I'm like, wow, it was like magic. (laughs) That's so good. And then, so from then, I imagine you stuck with IPS and you were photographing less sessions, but making more money. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So how has your business or your workflow changed between then and what you're doing now, if at all? You know, the workflow itself has just kind of been tightened up. I mean, the things that I started doing, I never been diagnosed with ADHD, but I'd say it's a pretty good chance that I would have it. And so having structure is something that I always said, I no, I don't need structure. I fly by the seat of my pants. I love life and go wherever I want to go, whenever I want to do it with whoever I want. Right. And I still do. And I've learned how important it is for me to have that structure in my business. And so having things, you know, I have a document that I created that just kind of is a checklist for after the session, when I've pulled it into my computer, when I've called it, when I've actually edited it, when I've exported, put in the gallery, all these little pieces, step-by-step one to just ensure that it's done. And two, it's like, Ooh, a little good job pat on the back. I get to cross something else off the list. So like, that's fun and exciting for me. Like, yay, I'm rocking today. Look at all these things that I've done. You know, sometimes in the, just in the span of 30 minutes, I'm like, Ooh, cross four things off the list. All right. So things like that have really helped me. Um, automations, creating questionnaires. I use HoneyBook. So creating questionnaires in there, being able to automate emails going out for people that are inquiring. All of those pieces have really helped free up my time to do what I love. And what I love, it's, it's all about relationships, whether it's taking pictures, you know, with seniors or families, but building that relationship, the in-person sales, again, we're right there in together. The other stuff, it's like all of us figured out eventually like, oh, so to be a photographer, it's not taking pictures hundred percent of the time, it's taking them 10% of the time. And then everything else takes up other time. And so over the years, I've just learned to pick more pieces on automating finding a a virtual assistant that can help with certain things. Um, I started working with someone this year that's really helping me kind of see bigger picture too for sports. So sports is another thing that I've been growing where I have a couple other photographers. I have about eight assistants that I can pull from that we do for parks and rec leagues here in town for, you know, the local youth clubs and leagues. So we photograph those. And so that is a piece that eventually I could have be completely hands off. Right. So I'm learning in that one from the get go 
the creating SOPs and creating videos in advance now. So like ultimately, like I can hand something off and hand them a link to the Google Drive with every video step by step how to do things, have photographers that can shoot for me. So that's really been a cool piece for me because when I started the photography and I would hear it, I'd hear people say, yeah, you know, you need to automate, you need to do this and, you know, have someone edit for you, outsource that. And I'm thinking, and early on, I'm like, but, but I have time. I'll do it. If I could go back, if I could give people a piece of advice and encouragement is to, even if you have the time, outsource the things you don't love, get rid of the things off of your plate that you do not love. So you can spend more time doing the things that light you on fire doing the things that fill you up. So if going out and photographing the seniors and having the actual sessions is what I love, why wouldn't I, you know, outsource the editing? Why wouldn't I find someone to be able to assist with these other pieces that do not bring me the joy that could be done by someone else to focus more on that? And then that's more revenue generating, you know, a time that I'm spending too. So I've definitely looked at it here in the last couple of years more as a, you know, more strategy with the numbers of understanding that. But the actual workflow and structure that I've had over the last six, eight years hasn't changed a whole lot. You know, my pricing has increased. I've added, you know, pricing guides and done other things to kind of automate and systemize things. But the biggest thing that is helping me is realizing, okay, I can take things off my plate. We are, most photographers are a one woman or one man show. That doesn't mean it has to be a one man or one woman show on the back end. You can still be just the face of your business if you want and gain some of your time back. And that's where I really want people to, you know, price profitably in a way that price it to where you're outsourcing everything, pricing it like you're not even in the business because then you can look at it and be like, okay, I've priced it profitably. Oh, great. I've got extra income. Now, at some point you're like, you know what? This isn't serving me to spend on my time on this piece. I'm going to hire someone for $15 an hour. I'm going to hire someone for $30 an hour to do this. You've already built it into your pricing. You're not having to make another big jump when you decide to do that. You've already got that built in. Totally agree. So do you do you feel, Heather, that you still need to know, and you might think the opposite for this, but do you feel like you need to know how to do each of those pieces or would you hire someone to do it even if you didn't know how to do it yourself? I think it is so important to know how to do it. I actually just had this conversation with someone today because I'm like, Oh, there are these pieces in, you know, on the, the coaching side of things that I'm learning, you know, building funnels and things. And I'm like, Oh, it's taking so much time. And part of me is like, I just want to give it away to someone. And I think you absolutely can, you know, to get started or get templates or do things to help you kind of. So honestly, for the photography side of things, Photoshop, that's a prime example. I didn't know a lot about Photoshop. So I bought templates and because they were templates, I was able to learn little pieces here and there. Oh, how to change the color. Oh, how to mask. Okay, great. Then I could duplicate it on something that I create my own. So overall, I think it's really important to know every aspect of the business, but I don't think you have to have it be in your lap for very long. And I held on to a lot of pieces for far too long. Sure. So how many do you have, or how many bits or people do you have outsourcing to now? Only two. So actually three. So it's not, it's not me. I've got, I've got a virtual assistant that helps me with some tasks. And then I've got an editor that I'm working with to, to do some of the editing so I can focus more on the coaching side of things. And then I've got one other person that has been helping me kind of on the coaching aspect with some tasks and things. So 
a lot of it's still on my plate. I mean, I'm, I continue to take more off of my plate, just like I'm encouraging my flowers, the people that I coach with too. Sure. So with the VAs, are they US based or internationally based? Yep, they are. Yep. She's out in Idaho. So we schedule a call once a week for 15 minutes and it is a very quick, Hey, where are you at? What can we do? What's working? What's not working? And we assign tasks. And so what I love about that is I'm assigning tasks to her and she's also telling me, okay, what do you want to get done this week? And it's the accountability. And then next week, all right, so let's see, these three things you needed to get done. How are you on that? Did you get that completed? It's been huge for my ADHD loving people. It's great <laughs> to have accountability. And so that has been a huge component for me to, to help shift. And even um, I'm learning so much with her is, you know, I'll start to tell her, okay, well, here's how you do something. She said, nope, stop. Don't tell me. She said, make me a loom video. I'm like, okay. So I made it and I'm like, oh, now I have all this stuff that I can pass to the next person. So yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what's her name? Her name's Michelle, Michelle Gephardt. How did you find Michelle? Um, through another mutual friend who we were in a course learning about how to coach. And so it was a friend of a friend, again, relationships, right? So I had a great relationship with Rachel and she's the one that had mentioned, Hey, you should check with Michelle. And, you know, I had tried a couple other times and they just didn't work out um, very quickly, you know, for one reason or another. And I'm like, and I would quickly go, well, not supposed to do it. Not supposed to work out. And I'm like, no, you know what? We just shift the gear. We shift the attitude. What is it? Okay. That one didn't work out. Great. I'm glad I know it didn't work out so quickly. So we didn't have to invest any more time. Who's next? Where do I go next? And so a lot of it is just shifting that mindset and being open to the next possibility, next opportunity. One of the gals that is helping me, she actually is one of my students and I see so much she is a very numbers person, spreadsheet driven, data driven, like all the side of the brain that, you know, I keep working on, but I like to stay over here in this creative side. So I'm like, Ooh, you know what? Would you like to help? And so she's helping me. So I think one thing when looking for people to help you is not necessarily looking for, I'm looking for someone to fill this, or I'm looking for someone to do just this specific thing. I think just being open to the people that you interact with, how they show up in life what their morals are, how their values are, what their work ethic is. And if those things you're like, yes, they're my people, figure out how to utilize them, figure out if there's, you know, and I just approached her, I said, Hey, I know you're growing your business and I don't want to detract from that. If this is something that interests you, let me tell you what I was thinking about how you could help me. If that's something that you'd want to put on your plate, if not completely understand. And she's like, Oh, absolutely. I'm in. So, you know, that's something that I think. Years ago, I was looking for a person and now I'm looking for a character quality, you know, type of person and then figuring out how, how they can fit in. So higher on personality rather than skills. Yep. Yep. Right. In the States, like it's probably different to here as well. I don't know if it is different to Australia, but how do you work out what to pay someone if they're going to be helping you? Like in Australia, we have awards or, and uh, minimum, minimum wages for different jobs. Is it the same in the States? It is. And I think the minimum wage is now 12 or 13. It's going to continue to go up. I think, I don't even know the exact what it is, but it's around that for a minimum wage right now. And so depending on what it is, 
you know, it's pretty common anywhere from like 15 to $50 an hour for a lot of the things that I am looking for, whether it's editing, whether it's a virtual assistance for answering emails or doing things like that or sending messages. And so that's kind of what I've been, you know, just, I kind of reach out I'm like, Hey, who else has been doing this kind of stuff? What are you, what are you charging? You know, being second shooters around here, it's around $50 an hour, um, sometimes lower um, for second shooters for weddings and things. And so just kind of base it off of that. Right. Got it. Let me take you back to your pricing. So you're obviously still doing IPS because you're getting these fantastic sales. Yeah. How has your price list or the way you sell changed, you know, to the first time you tried IPS? Do you still offer digital files, you know, as an option? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I do. So I started from the very beginning offering digital files and then also offering prints and products. And I still do that. The price of my digitals have just continued to increase. So the average can increase overall too, right? Because once you give the digitals, people maybe have interest in buying some, but not as much as if you completely remove them as an option. So my digital files for all the digitals now is 2200. It was 1200. But even with the $2,200 digital option, I offer collections, which include a wall art and an album. And so that's where the average already bumps up to around $3,900 before they add on additional wall art. Sorry, so Heather, so if someone wants to spend 3900 they get all the digitals, which are normally 2200 plus wall art or a wall art collection to accompany those digitals. Yep, so they, so they get a print credit and then they get, they get the album. So the actual, the hard cost of goods is around 12% right. of that $3,900. Nice, fantastic. Yeah. Wow, okay. And so that's, that's why you can get to these 4K averages because they're taking the digitals plus product. Yes, Wow. And so does every client that makes a purchase take the digitals with you? I was going to say there was one, but she did digitals too. Um, I think every single person has always purchased digitals. It's not very often, but on occasion, some have only just done digitals. There was one individual that I'm like, are you sure you don't want more? Because of the way I have it priced. It's $250 for one digital. It's $1,000 for 10. 1800 for 40 or 2200 for all of them. And so she said, Oh, we want two digitals. And I'm like, well, that's no problem. I said, but did you see that if, you know, you spend a thousand, you'd get eight more than the two for 500. She said, yep. She said, but my son just really wants those two digitals. I'm like, okay. So that was a very, you know, one of the anomalies, like, like that has never happened. So that's happened once. Um, trying to think if there are any others. That's really the only one I can think of. But I can see the way you've structured your pricing. It's incentivizing to take them all, isn't it? Like it's it's a no-brainer. Oh, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. And my collections are incentivized even more to make it a no-brainer because to buy an, an album a la carte versus including it in the collection, it's a no-brainer to do that. And and I tell them that, you know, like, oh, well, gosh, I guess, well, we were only wanting like 10 digitals, but well, if we get all of that for 39, gosh, it seems silly not do it. I said... It is. I said, it is silly. I said, let me tell you, I said, I purposely do that because everybody wants the digitals. I said, in my opinion, you need the prints. And so that's why I want to extend it in a way that makes it no brainer. Like I'd be an idiot not to buy this because I want you to have those prints. And I give them great examples. I'm like, I took my boys on a trip to Greece and Italy and Turkey this summer. And there's this picture that I've been wanting to print. We went in June, it's December. I'm like, well, I'm going to print that. I have the image. Guess what still has not been ordered? 
we, it just things we have our priority and to-do list. And so for whatever, you know, it can filter down to the next list. Oh, but I'll do that tomorrow. I'm like, this is why I want to do it for you because we all have the best intentions and things are just going to happen. I don't want you three years from now wondering where that gallery is to download the pictures because now, you know, you need this picture for a headshot for their next job and you don't even know where any of the photos are. And so that's why I just tell them like, it's from, from my own personal experience, why I do this for you. And you're going to thank me that it's done. Everything's custom designed and it's done for you. You get to put a little check mark that you approve the album design. I'll order it. I'll deliver it. I'll bring it to you. And I'll even, you know, custom hang up your wall art. I, that's something that I, I offer and no one's taking me up on it, but it's something that sets me apart. You know, I tell them it's, it's white glove experience. You know, if we will go ahead and bring the artwork to you and hang it on the wall to ensure it doesn't just sit in a corner for you. Right. And I offer it and they're like, Oh, that's awesome. But you know what? We're good. We got it. Okay. No problem. But I, I continue to offer it and something that's there. But the offer offers there. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's so good. Oh, and talk about outsourcing. Let me just tell you this because I'm not the one that goes and hangs it. I hired a handyman. So good. I've interviewed another photographer, female photographer who does the same. I don't think any males have. And she said her clients love it. I can't remember his name, but Joe, for example. And they, they said, the, she said the clients love it when Joe turns up with his tape measure and his drills and stuff and does it all for yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. So and why would I want to do that when it would take me a lot longer than, than Joe, right? <laughs> Joe knows that Joe's, Joe's got it all figured out. He's got the tools. Let him do that. You know, so I mean, ha- let him have that experience. <laughs> so I, I love that. That's so good. Um, Heather, let's focus on the senior side of your business because you mentioned Google fleetingly as a way that people find you. And then you sort of said word of mouth. That's the way that most clients find you. Like, is that, is that really how you book most of your senior clients? Yeah, because even if they come through Google and they'll say like they found me through Google, when I have conversations with them, it's really not through Google. Like they found me to just say, hey, I want to book a session. But in conversation, like, oh, yeah, you took Sally's pictures last year. Oh, we loved Emily's pictures that you did. We saw down at the field or, you know, whatever, and giving examples. So in those conversations, I realize it does just go back to the word of mouth and building those relationships. Right. So are you doing anything strategic to encourage those referrals? Nope. <laughs> I, I don't do anything. Years ago, I thought, oh, I need this referral thing. I need, you know, punch cards or I need this or I need to gift them something. I need to do that. And it was too much for me to track. And I'm like, that wasn't a fun part of it. I'm like, I know. And so I stopped and that didn't impact it at all. You know, I continue to grow in a referral base. And, and the one thing I do is I like to just be able to just send a thank you, you know, a thank you note or just write a note, not even necessarily just from a referral, but sending notes to my clients, sending notes to my friends, sending notes to, you know, people in the community. And it's just, it's genuine thoughts. You know, like if they've popped into my head, I'm like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to write a note. Hey, just thought of you the other day when I was driving by, you know, so-and-so wanted to just tell you, I love seeing how much you've grown and, you know, the drive that you have for this. The greatness I see in you is just being vulnerable and loving to those in the community. Thanks for being a part of the community and bringing the light to those that are around you. You know, that's something that I, to me, words matter. And so many words that we hear about ourselves or, you know, about other people are not necessarily positive. And if my notes and my words and my texts and quick little video snippets, you know, and Facebook Messenger or whatever can be a bright light of like, gosh, you know what, just what I needed. And let me tell you, more often than not, the timing of that 
it's not a coincidence when those things happen. You know, I could read texts over and over when I've sent something like, thank you so much. They're like, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that right now between teaching and trying to, you know, manage my family and juggling all these things. You're like, it just feels like I'm not making a difference. I'm not doing enough. Thank you. You know, and that's where I just, it's powerful. And I think if we can listen to our gut, I call them God winks. There was a book that I read that called them God winks, but it's like, it's not, it's not coincidence. There's a reason they're on your heart at that time. And I think if all of us can be more intentional, reaching out to people when we think about them, you know, world's just a better place, right? I totally agree. I love it. So I was going to ask you, and I think you sort of alluded to the fact these aren't all handwritten notes, are they? Any way you want to respond, you'll, you'll use it. You said video, you said messenger, I'm guessing email, yep. SMS or text message. So how do you decide? Is it just whatever you got closest? Yeah. Yeah. Usually it is, you know, because if, if it's something that I'm thinking about right then, you know, a lot of times it's just a quick text message. I do love the handwritten notes. And when I am in a good routine, I'm sending out five every single week. And I just, you know, if I'll have a list of people, you know, or I'll go through my database, like who haven't I talked to in a while? And I'll look like, oh, or someone that I saw on Facebook Messenger that maybe there was a post that seemed a little vague, but looked maybe concerning or like maybe that they're having a bad day. And so I just send a message to them and write a handwritten note. And I have like camera stickers and like, you know, just little encouragement, like postcards, like business cards that are like encouragement things. Like you've got that. You're a MF or badass, you know, like there's all these things like, you know, and it's like, so I strategic with who I know, we're, we're know the audience. Right. But it's like, I'll send something that just says like, Hey, you know what yours, there's someone always in your corner, you know? And, and that's where I want to be that for anybody that I interact with. I want them to know that I truly care about them and can support them in any way I can. So yeah, text message, handwritten cards, video chats, you know, and Facebook message and just being like, Hey, you know, and calling him by name, right? We all love to hear our name and personalize it. And I felt that one time when someone sent me a message, because at first I thought, oh, this is, it sounded kind of like a generic message. Like I thought it was coming up and, but she's like, Hey, Heather, I just wanted to let you know. And I'm like, oh, that was made for me. It wasn't a mass video that they were sending to 50 of their, you know, the top people on their messenger. It was meant for me. It takes 90 seconds. It doesn't take that long. You know, I waste plenty of time in a day. I can make lots of videos to make people feel important by the time I waste. <laughs> I think we're all the same there. Tell me, what do you use to do the video messages? What software, what app? No, so those are if I'm just doing it on Facebook. So if I'm sending a message via Facebook Messenger, I'm just making a video right there. Oh, you just recorded like a selfie video and um, mm -hmm. so nothing fancy, no special microphone or lighting, just... Nope, nope. It's just real and raw. Yeah. And I think, I think there's something to, you know, one, then there's no excuses, right? Because if I said, here's what I recommend for you. I recommend that you get these $300 lights, a microphone high quality. Here's the list of the headphones and here's the, you know, all that stuff. Already people are like, yeah, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. Well, but I will never be in that space because I think of it elsewhere, right? Take all of that, throw it all away. Great if you have it. But I think the way, like I say, the way I show up, it's real and raw, authentic and however it is. And I could be oversharing anything. I'm like, you get what you get when you get with me. And so it's like, that's just how my videos are too. You know, I mean, if I screw up or I've sent videos, well, let me tell you, Instagram stories, that actually is a great way to be able to connect and have people feel like they know you before they get to know you. So for high school seniors, Instagram stories are great. I have shared Instagram stories and I share the stupid stuff. Like I even did a poll once. I'm like, Hey, do you want to see all business or do you want like personal stuff too? 
they want the personal. They want to see who's behind the camera. They want to know who you are. And I remember this great idea that I thought I had where there was this waterfall and I had just bought this brand new clear umbrella. And it's just this little waterfall in our town. I thought, this will be so fun. Go stand under the waterfall and hold the umbrella and we're going to take some pictures. I didn't have any pictures because the umbrella broke from the force of the water coming down before I even got one snap off. And I'm like, huh? Yeah, maybe that could have been something I could have considered, but I didn't. So I'm sharing the story of the after fact, you know, and I'm just telling the story. I'm like, so here's the broken umbrella. Sorry, no great pictures. Cause this is what I did. Like people laugh with me. Right. I'm like, I, and I love that. And I embrace that. And so I've shared videos where I'm tripping or like I phone. I'm like, Oh, hold on. You know, in the videos, like, all bumpy and I still send it, you know, it is what it is. Right. Nice. So I know you said you're not strategic, but when do you send a video or a message or a note to an actual client or a past client, or do you send them to future clients? Like when does the business sort of stuff happen? Those interactions? Sure. So when they inquire, they go through an automated sequence of inquiry emails. Once we book, then they get a sequence of seven different emails leading up to the session with information about what to expect, what to wear. Here's some suggestions on clothing. You know, let's talk about different locations and kind of get an idea of that. We we go through all of those things in email. So everything leading up to that. Sorry, I meant your, like your quirky, fun, personal messages. Like, did they go to your clients as well? Oh, yeah. Yep, they absolutely do. But again, it's not something that I have where it's on my checklist of things to do you know, like post workflow, it's not something that everybody gets, but it is something that it's just kind of more random. I feel like there's, there's authenticity of it just coming naturally and not feeling like part of the process. So that is something that my clients absolutely get. And to be honest, most of my clients become my friends. Like we end up doing things together anyway. So, so it kind of, it quickly blurs a line from clients to friends. And so they're a part of the mix that can get them too. Okay, so the clients, whether they become friends or not, or they're getting the the tripping over, they're getting the the real you as well. Oh, they absolutely are. And if they follow me on Instagram, they're getting the real me on there as well. So on Instagram and Facebook stories, I share it, you know, where, and I love to travel. And so I play where in the world is Heather Waniger, you know, most of my seniors don't really know who Carmen Sandiego is, but I'm like, that's, (laughs) I sure remember that growing up. And so when we go and, and travel, it's where in the world is Heather Waniger? And I drop clues and I just tell them like, hey, the first one to guess correctly, I'll, I'll email you a $5 Starbucks gift card. And so then I'm posting clues, like impossible clues to begin with. And then throughout the day, posting other ones. And, you know, before I have to post something really obvious, somebody has guessed where I'm at. And so just fun ways to be able to interact with them or I'll play a guessing game or, you know, guess how many pictures I still have left to edit or guess how many sessions are, you know, just something around the photography. And hey, first one to guess gets this, you know, and just and just send them something. Nice. I'm digging away here, Heather. I'm I'm looking for more strategy to get these clients. Like, is there something that I'm missing? Like, are you you running Facebook ads, Google ads? Are you doing giveaway, like a third-party marketing strategy with the schools? Like, is there something else I haven't asked you that I should be about getting these senior clients? Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more the best photography business strategies from every guest. Have you got a minute? Can I ask you one or two more quick things? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, let me just tell you, though, I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, this really is the first 
podcast where I've really talked about narcissists and the ex and all that. So like, this was like, this was a big deal, Andrew. <laughs> well, I just asked the questions that I think the listener wants to know the answers to. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, I was going to ask because I mean, it's pretty obvious while we were chatting that you're uh, religious yeah. or a Christian. Mm-hmm. You mentioned God and Jesus. I don't think you mentioned Jesus. You might have once or twice, but I get that sense. But you don't talk about that on your about page. Like, do you, is that a, is that a strategic move? You know, it's actually not. And I don't know. I, I don't know why it's not on there versus, you know, talking in general. Cause like, even in like our challenge calls, you know, when I'm doing things for coaching, you know, I'll mention that. I'm like, I don't know whatever your, your religion is, but for me, it's God. And this is how I feel that something is. Um, and so, yeah, for it not being on there, that's, that's actually very interesting. I'm going to have to dive into that. I wonder why I did not, because I'm very open in conversations and not in a shove it down your throat kind of way, but you know, I, it's just, it's just a part of me, you know, and it's a part of me that I'm not going to hide if it works in conversation in a way that, you know, serves or supports something I'm talking about. I certainly will. So yeah, I don't know why it's not on there. Uh, cool. Okay. I, I thought maybe it might push too many people away. So, you know, you're happy to talk about it, but you don't want to push it right up front. Yeah. No, I, there wasn't any strategy behind it at all. Cool. That's just the way my mind's work. <laughs> my mind <Yeah>. works. <laughs> it's yeah. scary. Yeah, absolutely. The last thing, and I, we can cut this out if you think it's too creepy, but uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I went to Google to see where you're based and I came up with Street View and I see the cutest little house with sweet lemonade, a little sweet lemonade sign out the front. Is that your studio or your home? Like, what is that? It's my studio. Oh, wow. So, so yes, it is. So you don't, you don't live there. Nope. So you have a separate studio. It is an adorable house. Absolutely love it. I bought it. That was the first like big girl purchase after the divorce. That was so scary. I mean, I was not involved in finances when we were married. I didn't, I just didn't have any opportunity to be a part of that. And so I didn't know numbers. I didn't know things. I deeds and all. I was like, none of that was on my, in my wheelhouse. And so when that house came up and they're like, Oh, I'm like, Oh, this could be a studio. Oh, holy talk about the fear of what's going to happen. Thinking that things might go like, is this the right thing? Do I need to read these things 17,000 times? What's going, you know, like it just was such a scary thing. And I did it. And I'm like, man, that was so cool to, you know, made that payment, sign it. It's mine. Like that was the first thing that was Heather Waniger, solely Heather Waniger. And so there's a lot of pride that went in that house. And actually there's a post several years back on Instagram that I'm like, when the sign actually went in talking about emotional day, like I'm like, <laughs> wow, this is mine. I did this. Like I created this business. This is something is, you know, as full ownership. So it's a two bedroom uh, house. So it's a two bedroom house with a living room, dining room, a small kitchen. And so I bought it with, cause it's a great location too. So it's right on two main, main intersections of our town. So people are driving by it every single day. There's like 8,000 cars that drive by it every single day. So I'm like, wow. well, that right there, that's better than a billboard. So, I'm you know, saving. it's out there for that. I utilized it as my studio and only studio for about three years. I first was in a um, small, like just kind of like a large room that I rented in the basement of someone else's property for um, about a year. And that was something that at the time I felt I needed to have to charge more. It was something that I just thought like, oh, I 
I have to be a real photographer to charge more. And I did that. That was where I had my first $2,000 sale. I'm like, yes, it worked. <laughs> you know, here we go. <laughs> I, I was there for a year and then I bought that house and I was in that for about two or three years. And it was great. I used it primarily just for in-person sales, ordering appointments. Um, it had the ability, I painted one room completely white, top to bottom, floors, walls, ceiling, everything was all white. So I'd use that to shoot in. And then for like headshots and like kids cake smashes and things like that when I do on occasion. And as time went on, I was really finding I was out still on location 90% of the time. And so I wasn't utilizing it as much as a studio. And then come March, 2020, um, right before COVID, um, my mom had come, was coming to visit and she had been caring for my mom, my, her mom. So for about the last 10 years has been caring for her. It started off part-time then it became full-time for many years. And she was 103. Wow. She was taking a lot of my mom's time energy. I mean, I selfishly, I hated to see how much it was taking a mom. I could see physical changes, you know, in the last couple of years. So when mom was coming to visit, she's like, Heather, I just, I need to get a hotel. I need to get an Airbnb. I need to do something. She said for the first couple of days, I just need to sleep. You know, so she's coming home to visit family and she's saying, I need a quiet space to just sleep and kind of catch up. And I was thinking, I'm like, oh, well, when she said Airbnb, I'm like, oh, I've got a couch and a TV in there already because the ordering appointments, I have it you know, pretty much set up. I'm like, well, I found a bed from a friend that I threw it in the ex in the, the extra room. And I'm like, Hey, great. I bought a microwave and a couple other little things for her. And basically it was an Airbnb. Wow. So she stayed the day she left, like the world was closing with COVID. Right. Like I was scared and I didn't want her to go home. Cause I'm like, you should be on a plane. You know, none of us knew what was happening. She went home. And then at that time, I wasn't photographing. We were not allowed to be out with cameras for months. We weren't doing anything. So I converted it to an Airbnb. I'm like, well, let's just see. I made an Airbnb post and put all these things up. And so that started going really well with one bed in there. And it went so well that I now don't use it to shoot. I put a second and third bed in that what was my shooting room. Right. And now it's it's all Airbnb with my sweet lemonade advertisement out front. That's <laughs> so good. So you don't use it at all for the business anymore? Nope. Like one day, maybe, right? Like, so occasionally sure. someone will want to do like a headshot and they want inside. I'll come in and we'll, we'll have a space set up. But right. really, I I discourage, and now my in-person sales are in my living room. At, home, at your own home? Are back in my own personal litter, in my own personal living room at home where six years ago, I thought that I wouldn't be able to do something like that because I needed to be more legit to do it. And now it's just, this serves me better because it's not taking now my Airbnb slash studio. It's literally a seven minute drive, but seven minutes plus making sure you're there 15 minutes early, plus making, you know, getting anything set up. It's another hour, right? Yes. When I yeah. could be at home with my kids, making dinner, making sure that's done and off the table. And then my my clients are coming in the door. And again, it's because me, right? What you see is what you get. I'm like, Hey, welcome to my house. Don't <laughs> mind the, you know, the dog stuff over there, or, you know, don't trip over this, but come on in. It's just That's so it's good. early on, early on. It was very like, Oh, I have to have everything to pretend like, no, you know what? This is me. They know me, like me the way I am or don't. And if they've already hired me, they like me the way I am. And so I, I don't even worry about that. They just, they just come in and they're a part of my family. 
That's so good. Isn't it funny? Like we tell ourselves that we're not professional enough when we first start. We've got to have all these oh. things in place. Oh, yes. <laughs> and now I'm back to doing what I thought I couldn't charge $400 doing, you know? Yes, there you go. And now you're doing, yeah, for two and three and $4,000. Yeah. 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 So good. So good. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Heather as much as I did. Heather, if you are listening, again, thank you so much for opening up, for sharing everything you did, not only about your business and your marketing, your sales and your pricing, but also the personal life and the backstory that you shared earlier in the interview. So massive thanks for that and massive congrats on getting to where you are now, on your success. And I'm looking forward to hearing about your coaching going from strength to strength along with your photography business. Again, massive thanks, Heather. For you, the listener, I do hope you got a ton from what Heather had to share. If you do have a follow-up question for Heather, you can hit her up in the comments area of the show notes. This week, they're at photobizx.com forward slash 504. The comments area is at the very bottom of that page. And above that, you'll find examples of Heather's beautiful work. You'll find links to anything and everything that she mentioned. It's all there in that one spot. And of course, if you are a premium member, I'll be adding Heather to the premium members Facebook group, like I do with every interview guest. So if you have a follow-up question for Heather, you can hit her up there inside the group. Or if you just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing what you did, you can do that there as well. I know she would love to hear from you. I've got one big shout out for today's episode, and this could be the very best review I've had for the Photo BizX podcast. This is an absolute ripper, but what makes me so sad is I don't know exactly who it's from. So if you are C&C's mum from the United States and you left a review for the podcast in Apple, please let me know because I want to give you a proper thanks and add a link to your website using a keyword phrase that you're looking to rank for to help you with your SEO. It's my little way to say thanks for taking the time for leaving this incredible review. C and C's mum says, and I quote, why aren't you curled in a ball in a dark room somewhere? Andrew asked this question of an incredibly successful photographer. She's talking about John Glazer on his show this past week. And it might be my favorite line of his to date. But wait another week or two and Andrew will say something equally hilarious, insightful and exactly what you, the listener, are thinking to yourself. Please understand that Andrew said this with humour, love and empathy and the guest took it as such. This was a question asked after hearing about a catastrophic Facebook account issue that would have terrified many photographers. But you'll have to listen to John yourself and then you'll be hooked. She goes on to say, Andrew does a phenomenal job with his interviews, asking just what you'd like to know, anticipating what you'd need to know, and asking that question too. He's fun and funny, which I don't even know that I'm being funny. So this is always a surprise to me to read that. Uh, He's fun and funny and engaging and a joy to listen to. The incredibly valuable business insights sometimes seem like the second best thing about each week's podcast. That's so nice. Finally, she says, I've been listening to Andrew for years now, and it's not one bit of an overstatement to say I would not have my business without him. I look forward to his encouragement and energy each week. If we as photographers want to be our client's friend with a camera, Andrew is our friend with an incredibly valuable podcast. Don't wait, just have a listen, as Andrew would say, and you can say thank you later. That is so, so awesome. So CNC's mum... Thank you again. Please let me know exactly who you are because I want to say a proper and big thanks for taking the time 
to leave that beautiful review. Okay, that is going to wrap up this week's episode of the podcast. Big thanks again to Heather for coming on, sharing everything she did. Make sure you go and check out the interviews with John Glazer and also Brendan Taylor if you haven't heard those ones. Go and check out the registration page with Jeff Brown for the upcoming training next week on how to create a website that converts. I know you're going to love that one. And Jeff is well known for over-delivering in his training. Just ask anyone who's done the LinkedIn course that he presented last year for PhotoBizX listeners. It was an absolute ripper. And as always, there is a 100% money-back guarantee. If you don't get value from that training, once you've had a chance to have a listen, then I will give you your money back. No questions asked. Alrighty, that is it. Have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. Stay safe, healthy, and well, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 